When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Much of how MLS teams operate financially is shrouded in secrecy. But twice a year, just a little bit of that gets pulled back with the MLS Players Association's release of the list of salaries for just about every player in the league. Sam Stasekel and Jeff Reuter have analyzed some interesting things about all that data, and they're here today to break it down. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, May 18th. All right, it is Wednesday. We have a full slate of MLS games today, but yesterday was one of the two best days of the entire year for MLS fans if you happen to be a roster construction nerd. MLS salary release day happens twice a year. It's always fun to look at and see how much uh, people are making, how teams are constructed, how it breaks down. And with me today to run through some of these numbers, I have Sam Stasekel and Jeff Reuter. Guys, like I said, it's always an interesting day once we see uh, for kind of sure how much some of these players are making. But the numbers that we're seeing on this list that's released by the MLS Players Association are not necessarily exactly the figures that they're literally making nor is it exactly how they're hitting the cap. Uh, can one of you, maybe Jeff, explain why that is? Like what, what exactly the deal is here? Explain Major yeah, League explain Soccer. Explain MLS to me, yeah, Jeff, Yeah, it's that easy. It's so easy. I'm glad you finally asked. Um, no, I think that there's a couple of key things to keep in mind here. One, as you alluded to, bonuses, other special payouts usually are annualized. And so those won't always be reflected in the salary sheet during a day like this. Um, the, in terms of teams and their investment in their rosters, it's also important to note that transfer fees, loan fees are not included within this. So when you see eye popping totals for like Atlanta United's latest Argentine playmaker, uh, that's not necessarily going to be even reflected as you say that they're the highest spending team in terms of salaries. So this is a part of it, but this is the, the most comprehensive look at MLS salaries roughly that we ever get a lens into. And so it's incredibly helpful as we look at teams in terms of their ambitions, in terms of how they're spending their rosters, who gets that money, um, things like that. And when we look at some of the top players, obviously the headliner this time around is Zerdan Shakiri, newly joining the Chicago Fire at a uh, $8.15 million salary, according to this particular release, in guaranteed compensation, I, I should say. Um, he's not going to be the top paid player in MLS history, which he is now for long because Lorenzo Insigne is join, joining for uh, nearly double that, which is pretty insane to think about. <laughs> um, so outside of Zerdan Shakiri, who is obviously the headliner here, Sam, we'll start with you. Which player or players sort of jumped out as you were looking along this list uh, and, and some of the figures that are associated with, uh, with some names there? Well, his salary isn't new. We knew it would be in this range. It's about what it was last year. But Gonzalo Higuain for Inter Miami, uh, you know, we, we see the body language. We haven't seen it in a while because he hasn't really been playing for Inter Miami. But he makes $5.8 million a year. He's the third highest paid player in the league. And his team is a disaster. 
but they're much better when he's been on the bench, which he has been over the last six games. Um, you know, they have a negative 10 goal difference and zero wins in the five, five games that he started. They have an even goal difference and three wins in the six games that he's been on the bench. Um, so kind of a stark difference there. Lucas Zellerian got a big race. In Columbus, he jumped up pretty significantly. Um, Josie Altidore's number is is eye-popping, but it's not entirely accurate. <laughs> He's listed at $4.26 million in guaranteed compensation. Um, he is making, according to reports, $1.6 or thereabouts um, in New England. He was bought out by Toronto over the offseason. Um, so, you know, I think it's safe to assume had he stayed on his contract in Toronto, that 4.26 total would have been what he was being paid by TFC this year. Um, and I'm guessing when you account for the buyout, if you average it out over the number of years that were left on his deal up in Canada, then you get it to 4.26 when you add that 1.6 in, but the revs are not paying him all that money. So that's an important consideration as well. Yeah, that that uh, figure that he's listed at 4.26 puts him in the top five, the fifth highest paid player in the league. If that were her, his his actual uh, you know paycheck sort of salary figure, uh, Jeff, who stands out to you? Uh, I think it's let's just go back to Miami for a sure. second here because they're also spending. You know, they're heavily sanctioned, right? And they had a lot of allocation money taken away from them, a lot of actual financial capital, like tangible finances in their um, in their punishment for the Blaise Petweedy scandal last season. But they're spending twenty six percent of their entire wage bill on Rodolfo Pizarro and Blaise Batuidi, neither of whom will play for yeah, them. It's actually higher season. than so, that. It's higher than that because Matuidi is listed at 1.5 million that's right. in this document, but it's only listed as that because that's the document that the MLSPA has. They don't have the super top secret document that MLS, of course, discovered last year <laughs> where Blaise Matuidi was being paid like north of 5 million. Um, so he's actually right. being paid in the top five MLS salaries in the league to not even be on the roster for them this year. So anyway, it was fun to see him. He was at like a fan experience zone preseason event place between which. So like he's, he was paid five and a half million dollars for that one public appearance. Pretty big, pretty good gig. If you can get it. I mean, honestly, (laughs) it's a a really good gig. It's a really good gig. I think most bands would bite your hand (laughs) off for that. I think another thing that really stood out for me and I don't know why his name necessarily got struck from the eyebrow raising contracts, but Francisco Calvo and uh, was a free agent over the year. And he signed once again, over $900,000, 925,000 guaranteed compensation. It's hard to find left footed center backs who can also moonlight as a left back, depending on your formation, but he's being paid just about three times as much as new Hutolo over at Seattle Sounders. And it's just ridiculous. I think that, this year with San Jose, with the issues with Matias Almeida, I think that Calvo has gotten even more heat on social media. I've seen it anyway for, you know, checking out of plays, ball watching, that sort of thing. But he's been doing it since he got in the league over five years ago. Like this isn't anything new, but he is getting a, a pretty penny. One of, I think, the top three or five earners for the San Jose Earthquakes. And uh, I think that kind of shows. And just to round out the top, uh, the top figures, we haven't mentioned his name yet, but the second highest paid player in the league is Javier Chicharito Hernandez at $6 million. It's Higuain, we mentioned his third. Alejandro Pozuelo of TFC is at 4.69. He's fourth. Josie Altidore sort of kind of counting as number f- number five here based on that kind of weird figure. Joseph Martinez at 4.14. Carlos Vela at 4.05. Number seven, Luis Araujo at 3.94. Number eight, Lucas El Rayan, we mentioned. And the reigning MVP, 10th highest paid player in the league, Carlos Gilles at 3.55. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Guys, part of uh, this is obviously looking at players, but another part of it is looking at teams and how teams spend their money overall, the balance, who spends more, who spends less. What have you noticed as you look at sort of spending balance across the league? And I want to sort of go about this two ways. You can look at it sort of how money is allocated to players just as earners of money and also how money is allocated to certain position groups. Sam, I know you've written and talked a lot in uh, over the last, let's just say, years <laughs> uh, that and advocated for uh, MLS maybe trying to find more balance in its spending, giving, ma- making it possible so that they don't have to give huge contracts like Shakiri's if they're going to spend $8 million on, on on somebody. Uh, what are you seeing in these salary figures uh, in terms of that sort of breakdown, how teams, is, is there any sort of movement there? Is there any sort of movement towards uh, maybe spreading the love a little bit beyond the top one to five players on a roster? Some teams do it. Right. New York City FC, I think, is a good example of a team that has a pretty solid spread on their roster. Um, they put 43% of their overall payroll to their top five highest paid players, which is actually, I believe, one of the lower t- such proportions in the entire league. But they Second they lowest. have they have 10 players that make more than the maximum budget charge of $612,500. So that's a pretty good example of how teams can spread it out. They, of course, don't spread it out when it comes to transfer fees. You know, they paid $8 million plus for Talis Magno, um, and, and that's something that you can only do on a DP contract. So, you know, I would say that's a good example of, of how teams can spend a decent amount of money and, and do a decent job of spreading things out. But Chicago is kind of the opposite. You know, they're spending 77.8% of their overall payroll on their five highest paid players. That number does not include Jairo Torres, who just joined the team from Atlas, Mexico. I would assume that that percentage would go up when his salary is accounted for. We don't know what that salary is. We can't say that for certain, but I would assume it go up. And, and you look at the fire and they're in last place in the Eastern Conference and they have a high payroll and they're spending you know, they're paying security more than anyone has ever made before in MLS history. And they're not a good team. Like they're not. And, and this is sort of the pitfalls of it in MLS. And it doesn't have to be this way in the current model, but the current model does make it so like, if you want to spend money, that's all well and good. It's no guarantee that you're going to be able to be good. That's doesn't sound like a bad thing. And it isn't a bad thing in theory, but for a league that's trying to make its on-field product better, it just results in inefficiency. And so the top spending teams can't get that far ahead of the lower spending teams. And good for competitive balance, bad for the overall product. And I think there needs to be a recalibration of it from the league. 
Sam, you wrote a piece specifically about this that will be linked in this show's description. Everybody should go check that out. Uh, I've written like 800 pieces. I know. About this, you know, I'll, I'll have. Yeah, I'll have. To, I'll have to select one of one of the many that you've written. I think the most recent one is what I'll go with. I should have an editor that tells me to stop hammering the same sad, tired old tropes. But you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that nobody's willing to stand up to you, uh, Jeff. I know that you looked at specifically at position groups, which I think is interesting, uh, looping in goalkeepers and and defenders, midfielders and forwards. I know that you also ran into sort of an issue with this in that uh, nobody knows how to classify wingers anymore. <laughs> are, are they midfielders? Oh are they forwards? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> based on what you were able to find, first of all, what standard did you use to determine who's a midfielder and who's a forward? And what did you find in terms of how salary spread uh, works out between those positions? I used the standard that I thought was fairest, but not the one that I wanted to use. The one that I wanted to use was just like, if you line up as a winger and you only attack and you take plays off in defense, you're an attacker. And if you're actually doing two-way, almost wing-back work, you're a midfielder, maybe a defender. What I ended up doing, though, for teams like Atlanta, who would have M-F and F-M for different players, uh, absolutely zero sense made there. Uh, I would look at the team's website and they list, for example, the LA Galaxy lists world-known winger Douglas Costa as a midfielder, which I just completely disagree with, but they say he's a midfielder, and so that does favors to make sure that they aren't spending an outsized amount on their forwards. But all the same, I think what you see is even though defenders and goalkeepers make up at least 40% of a team's roster in terms of just bodies, in terms of number of players on the roster, sometimes it's actually closer to 50, um, they rarely, rarely get you know, kind of an equivalent percentage of a team's wage bill. Uh, there's only one team in Major League Soccer that spends even 40% of its wage bill on defenders and goalkeepers, and that's the Houston Dynamo, who have two of their top three earners um, are center backs. Uh, other than that, I mean, every other position group, if you look at midfielders, if you look at forwards, mo- there will be at least nine teams who are spending it over 40% on one or the other of the groups. Usually you kind of pick between uh, are we going to be a possession-based team? Are we going to be a counter-attacking team? And do we need players who are going to be able to capitalize those players, goal scorers, goal uh, players who set up goals will always cost more than the players who stop goals. So some of this is also just market economics at play in terms of defenders and goalkeepers not getting as much of their keep uh, as the others. But I mean, if you're looking in the midfield, for example, the Chicago Fire, they list Shakiri as a midfielder. So obviously that's going to have a huge impact so, as we've already all talked of a sudden about. They this spend thing. a lot on midfielders. Yeah. <laughs> Right, 67%. Uh, Columbus Crew, another team that's kind of known for keeping games contained, will say. Others will say boring. Um, 64.9% on their midfielders. If you're looking at the forwards, uh, Columbus then is an outlier. They list all of their wingers as midfielders. They only have 1.3% of their entire salary outlay on forwards after trading Giassi Zardes late in the window to the Colorado Rapids. Um, but you do see a lot more investment in the midfields and in the forwards um, from MLS teams. And that does back up a longstanding assumption and trope um, and observation, frankly, about Major League Soccer, which is that the standard of defending is not commensurate with the level of midfield play and attacking play uh, that's often on display. Well, if anybody would like to dig a little bit farther into these numbers, maybe see them in front of the, in front of their faces instead of uh, being talked about in a way that can get a little bit confusing. Jeff and Sam, you wrote a piece and uh, sort of dived into pretty much everything we covered here today. It's all laid out on The Athletic. That, too, will be linked in the show's description. But until then, until readers can actually read that stuff and they're listening to it the day after it's published, 
Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having us. Thank you to Sam and Jeff for that. Like I said, they wrote a piece that dives into many of the numbers they covered there and some other interesting factors. It is linked in the show's description. Before we go, a TV guide for today, All Times Are Eastern and The Big. A game to keep an eye on because it's for a trophy. It's definitely the one you should watch. It's the UEFA Europa League final. It's at 3 p.m. Eintracht Frankfurt versus Rangers. That is on CBS Sports Network and Paramount+. Plus. Every single game in the Europa League final stages has been really, really good. So hopefully the the final follows suit. There's also a a lower league playoff game in England at 2.45 p.m. Northampton Town versus Mansfield Town. That is on ESPN+. Plus. Mansfield is up 2-1 in that one. Whoever wins goes to Wembley to play in the League 2 playoff final for a chance to move up to League 1. There are also some MLS games today, as I mentioned at the very top of my conversation with Sam and Jeff. Too many to read all at once, but two that immediately stood out to me among the slate. At 8.30 p.m., Nashville SC hosting CF Montreal. CF Montreal, one of the surprisingly good teams uh, so far this MLS season. That is at 8.30 p.m. either in your local market if you happen to live in Nashville or Montreal or on ESPN Plus at 10.30 p.m. Also, LAFC hosting Austin. Two fun, exciting teams. That is on ESPN Plus as well. In addition to all of that, there is Copa Libertadores action. Two windows of of games at 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. None that super, super, super stand out to me, but always a good watch. Those are all on BN Sports. And then finally... In Liga Emekis, it's time for the semifinals. Atlas versus Tigres in leg one of that one. That is at 10 p.m. on Tudene. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.